God doesn't just happen to bring good from evil. Like it's what he does. Like it's what he's absolutely in the business of bringing good from evil. Welcome to the Blaze and Bush podcast. I'm Jeff Bush, and along with my co-host Jim Blaze, we are here to share with you authentic stories of God's extraordinary revelation in ordinary lives. Our hope is that like Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3, you may encounter the Lord through these humble experiences. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be joined by a man who has amazing faith, incredibly deep knowledge, and an even more incredible witness. Our guest, Kevin Bailey, grew up with an extra helping of faith, and it turns out it was going to be needed. After Kevin's undergraduate studies at the University of North Carolina, he decided to follow his heart and pursue his God-given gift as a musician. However, a few weeks before moving to New York to chase his dream, Kevin suffered a paralyzing accident. As you might imagine, he struggled not only with paralysis, but with questions. Questions about why did this happen, and where was God in all of this? But over the course of time and through faith and prayer, God has revealed to him in many ways how he brings good from all evil. Jim, you've personally known Kevin for some time. That's right, Jeff. Kevin and I met at Franciscan University, where we both worked as graduate assistants while attending school there. And it became evident that Kevin was so close to the heart of God. He had such insights. And as I reflected, I think they can only be gained because of his union with the cross of Christ. If you listen to Kevin speak, you hear just a a joy and a passion, a humility that just touches people deeply. Even while we were students there, he was often asked to speak, whether at summer conferences or in workshops for the other students. And I think you'll see why. It's such a universal question to ask, if God is good, why do bad things happen? I think Kevin has a unique perspective because he has wrestled with this question daily on a deeply personal and practical manner. As with all things, Kevin speaks with his great honesty and humility. He recognizes that God's wisdom in his providence and his intimacy in his presence are still being revealed more deeply on a daily basis. I'm excited to share our conversation with Kevin because honestly, everyone I know needs to hear Kevin Bailey's witness and reflections. So why don't we dive in? I, uh, kind of a long story short for me, like I was wanting to go into physical therapy. Grad school was my plan after undergrad, but shortly after I graduated and was kind of preparing to apply for grad schools, I just had this really strong sense of, you know what, like I, I, I want to take a different path and I, w- I want to pursue the path of a musician. I was an aspiring drummer uh, at the time, and I really felt like that's where my God-given talents were. So I, I, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of take a jettison my previous path and take a path following uh, trying to pursue music as a career in some fashion. Didn't know how or what that would look like or what that would be like. But I, I, I sort of quit the physical therapy path and got a job working for a buddy of mine who had a roofing company just to make money while I figured out how am I going to pursue this future as a musician. 
And about a year, about 10 months into, into that work, I was getting ready to move to New York City, sort of the next phase on my step to kind of be around the music scene and experience it up there and again, kind of see how I wanted to pursue this. And right before I, about three weeks before I was moving up to New York City, we had an apartment ready to go and everything. I actually fell from a roof um, as, we're, as I was working uh, with this roofing company and had a spinal cord injury from right below my chest, like the bottom of my chest downwards is where I'm paralyzed. So that was in uh, July of 1996. So it's it's been a good while. <laughs> and when that happened, like, I, I mean, so much changed for me. I think obviously, as you can imagine, just physically, many things changed. But it was really hard that I felt like sort of this God-given gift of being a drummer. I, I really felt like it was a God-given gift. And I, I felt like I was, it felt like the only thing I was ever, it was the only thing I ever felt gifted at. Like I was a good student. I was good at sports, not great at anything, just kind of good at some things. But that is what I felt like was a God-given gift. Like I, I was, it just felt that way. And so when I got hurt, it, it was one of the hardest things was, okay, like why was that taken away? Like what's going on? I really felt like even though the path of being a musician seemed crazy to some people, it really felt to me like I was, not that I had a religious component, but I felt like, okay, like this is a God-given gift and I'm pursuing it. I'm doing something good here. So that kind of threw me for a loop for a long time. But looking back, uh, it was one of the one of the great things. One of the things I'm very grateful for is that I feel like I had this gift of faith, almost like I had an extra helping of of faith since I was a kid, where God kind of came easy to me and just made sense in a way, like I said. And then when I got hurt, those sort of giant questions of like, what the heck is going on? What are you doing, Lord? While I had those because they're natural, like they didn't linger. Like God allowed them to sort of wash over me as they're supposed to, but they didn't turn me away from him. Not that I had the answers, not that I understood it because I didn't. It was all very, uh, not dark, but confusing. You know, I, I took a long time to get some answers and some answers I still don't have and probably won't have. But he had given me that faith, I think, in advance, sort of an extra helping, just extra bit that we all have from baptism, but just more. And I, I didn't go through some of those sort of spiritual struggles that I could have gone through. And I'm grateful to the Lord for that. Right. But one of the, I was go just going to say, like you see people who go, people kind of go one of two ways. It either deepens their <clears throat> sort of confidence in God or, or it can turn to bitterness. Absolutely. And so, yes, what a, I mean, to your point, what a blessing that that is not, that you were in a way protected from that. Yes. And I, I, I'm not kidding when I say it, like it, I look back and it definitely feels that way that it was, that I was protected from that. Like I was giving an extra, something extra to help me through what I was going to go through. Like I was prepared for that in a way because like the Lord knew I would need it, but, uh, you know, I'm, I do feel blessed that that was the case that I didn't have some of those struggles. Again, some of, there's plenty of struggles there, but some of those spiritual ones weren't there. But like for me, one of the big questions I did have that lingered for a long time was sort of, and and I went on to study theology later on. That's where I met Jim for in graduate school. Did a lot of study in theology, but one of the the questions about God that lingered from my accident even into grad school was sort of, okay, like, well, like, where was God when I fell? Like, 
what's that about? Like, what? Like, did he just like leave for a while? Like, was he was he looking away? Like, wh- like what was going on there? Like, it didn't seem like he was there. I mean, I I fell. So like, what's like? Right. Couldn't have been there. Like, what's going on? And, and strangely enough, I was uh, it was at Steubenville. Um, I was working at a summer conference up there when we were in grad school, and I was talking to. Uh, it was actually the charismatic leaders conference up there. And I was working at it just as, as staff. So I came across this one guy and I was talking to him, kind of telling him my story. We had just for some, somehow just got to talk on a personal level. And, and, and I told him my story about how I got hurt and different things. And, and he told me about himself and we had a good talk for, for a good while, like maybe 45 minutes or so. And then uh, this is during the day. And then we, we parted. And then that night I saw him again at the sort of the main session when everyone gathers and walks in for the main session in the evening where there's a big talk and the whole conference gathers together for praise and worship. And, um, and again, for the main speaker and things like that for the night. So he's, everyone's entering into the, to the main area for that. And I'm ushering people in, helping people in. Uh, And I see him and and he kind of waves me over. So I went over and, and, and to talk to him. And he said, he said, Kevin, I was, I was praying about you today about what we talked about. I said, you know, thanks. And he said, and as I was praying, I got a, a word from the Lord for you. And 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 you got to understand for me real quick, as a side note, like I've been around a lot of prayer services and healing services. And when you're the guy in the wheelchair, you have this giant bullseye marked <laughs> on your back. And so like everyone in the world has a word from the Lord for you. And again, I know those things are real, but everyone's got a word for you. And you're just going, okay, like they want me to walk. They want me to get up. Like it's all these things. And and again, God could want those things, but it's just kind of funny. So right away, my guard kind of goes up a little bit when I hear that because I'm so used to hearing crazy things after the phrase, I have a word for you. So right away, like my, my guard is up just a little bit. But then what he said sort of changed everything in terms of me, how I viewed God. And it, it, it helped with that question I had of like, God, where were you? Where, what were you doing when I fell? And so the guy said two parts. He said, he said, Kevin, well, first of all, he had ran, ran this sort of word by some friends and they had believed is also from the Lord and that I should hear it. So he actually had gone through kind of the proper channels. So once he told me that, I felt a little bit better before he kind of told me what was next. So my guards are down, down a little bit from, from being up. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, it's Kevin, the day you fell, from the roof that day he said satan wanted you to die or the devil wanted you to die but god caught you and when he said the first part he said you know when you fell from that roof the devil wanted you to die i i, I didn't know kind of what to, to make of it and it was i did not believe it or or believe it i just it was it was what it was it it didn't sink in very much but when he said the second part but god caught you i, I don't I don't know if you guys have have the experience of something being so true that it just resonates to your core. Oh yeah. Whatever it might be, like maybe it's meeting your wife for the first whatever. Like there's things that just resonate to your core that you know that they're they're right, they're true. It's it's real. And he said it and that just washed over me and it just yeah, it just it, it was I knew it was true and it took a long time to sort of sit with that and understand it more, but this sort of sense of peace of like not only was he not looking away and not not present, he was he actually caught like he saved me because right? when I fell, I, I I did have a spinal cord injury, but I I had no cuts, no bruises, no like uh, no head injury. Like they could have, I could have died. And so even though I, I did have a spinal cord injury, like just 
like God was actively present there. And that right. was sort of a huge turning point in my, not turning point, but sort of a, a boost forward in my understanding of just a greater trust of him and, and, and sort of the God's love, not just knowing that he loves me, but that he reached out and showed that in a way, like reached into this world and loved me in a, a very real way, like saved my life kind of way. <laughs> well, so often you hear about people that experience tragedy or something catastrophic, like what you're describing to us, Kevin, and their immediate reaction is, God, where were you? Yes. So hearing you walk us through these words, and it was Satan that wanted you to die, but God was there to save you, as opposed to God being completely absent from the moment. Yeah. That really wraps a different lens on that understanding. And and it's funny, too. I, I think for me, one of the things I've kind of uncovered a little bit as I've sat with those phrases over the years, because I prayed about those a lot and just sort of want to understand them deeper. I feel like the Lord's trying to tell me more in those two sentences or, or in that in those two things than just know them. And that is like so often when we when we have something bad happen, you know, and we, people get we can get angry or whatever. And we look at God and shake our fists at God and 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 rightly so like because it feels like you know you're sovereign and you can do something about this but it's funny like i feel like this kind of revelation to me almost exposed like like we're shaking our fists the wrong direction right like right it's like exposed the devil in a way like he's the one that did it like i'm i should be looking down shaking my fist going what, what were you doing like what were you like why were you tripping me pushing me off the roof whatever it was like it's almost like our our frustration and our angst is is the wrong direction and and it's natural for us to do that but it's like we're we're shaking our fists at god but the devil's the one we should be shaking our fists at like he's the enemy at, at work and doing things for real <laughs> oh that's a that's a great point i think the uh that's part of the temptation right is the not it's almost like the kid in the class right who you know, pulls the seat out from under you and then blames the other kid, you know, like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's the two edged, uh, attack that, uh, you sound familiar with that, Jim. Maybe. I'm Which not saying. Which end were you on, <laughs> by the way? <laughs> Since this is being recorded, I'm just going to keep that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, God loves us so much that he wants to catch us and whether they're huge situations like this that you're describing or just you think of how many times i i'm just thinking as we're talking here how many times does god catch us throughout the normal course of the day when we Absolutely. might be sinning or having a hard time or feeling weak in various moments but he's there with his hand out to hold us to catch us to love us and to keep us from moving further into sin or deeper into darkness or whatever the case might be yeah, God I mean, is good. Yeah, I mean, C.S. Lewis talked about how I'm probably I'm going to botch this. I think it was C.S. Lewis talked about just talked a lot about the difficulty of being Christian. Like, it's not easy to to follow the Lord, and so like that's the struggle here. Is like I, I don't want to paint this this rosy picture. Like going back that day when I fell, like I did not feel the Lord that day, and there's that's never changed. Like I still look back and go, I certainly didn't feel it, and I still you know there, there's that that never changed. Like he. I never felt him there, but that wasn't the reality. The reality was like hidden to me. You know, it's hidden to us. And that's the difficulty is for us is, you know, we have his word and we have our faith that tells us these things that remind us that God is the kind of God who will be there for you to catch you 
but that's where the eyes of faith, you know, that's, that's the struggle for us is that eyes of faith is what we need to see that. And because I didn't see that God caught me, he had to tell me that he did. And I was, I'm glad that I received that, those words. Oh, for I do sure. think that it's for everyone and for others and for big and small things. Absolutely. And it's, what about the timing of it? Like, do you think that there was something significant about seeking out the questions, seeking out the answers before it's revealed? That's a good question. I think a, a couple things. I think, first of all, in terms of my life, in terms of this revelation and when I received it, I'm not sure how important the timing was. But on that same question, God's actually revealed some things to me. And that is, while it's natural for us to always say, like, sort of like, why is this happening? And, you know, what's going on, Lord? I, I'm not sure, like, when it comes to the why question, like, why is this happening? So right. Whenever we're going through sure. something hard, whether it's big or little, the, the big why question, I think that the Lord, I'm not sure that's the best question for us. Mm. Here, here's what I mean. And I just, this is sort of after just a lot of prayer and, and this isn't gospel, So I, but this is sort of what I've come to, to believe from prayer and about this topic. And that's like, I don't know that God's all that interested in answering the why question for us. Not that he won't. I think sometimes he will, and sometimes he can, or he can, but sometimes he will for you. But I don't think he wants us to focus on that question. And I kind of got this from personal prayer, but also from when you look at the book of Job, and you know what Job goes through, and um, everything's taken away from him. And and just like in my sort of private revelation, the book of Job begins by exposing the devil. Like you start the book, like we know from the outside, okay, the devil's responsible for all this. So like we sort of have the outside perspective going, okay, like he's he's the one responsible for this. Like like was told to me with my story, which I didn't realize as I was going through it. But Job goes through all this. It's from the devil. Everything's taken away. And he has this, all these terrible things go on, except for his life is, is spared. And at the end, you know, Job is faithful through it all. But at the end, Job wants to know, like, why is this happening, Lord? He keeps on calling to the Lord and say, like, I, I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, why is this happening? And then at the end of the book, those last few chapters, you know, God comes down and sort of lays a divine smackdown on Job and, and basically <laughs> says, like, you're – like, who are you? Like, I'm, I'm God. Why are you even asking these things? Like, I'm, I'm God and you're not. The last chapter of Job says, uh, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be hindered. Who is this who obscures counsel with ignorance? I have spoken but did not understand things too marvelous for me, which I did not know. Listen and I will speak. I will question you and you will tell me the answers. But by hearsay, I had heard of you, but now my eye has seen you. Therefore, I disown what I have said and repent in dust and ashes. And then Job's restored of everything. But it's it's this sort of God comes down and says, I'm God and you're not. And Job kind of goes, okay. Like after all that he went through, the book of Job ends well. He's restored, but he never gets an answer from God. It, it could have been a simpler or complex answer, but he never gets an answer from God. God's answer is like, just like, I'm God. Just trust me. Like I, I'm in control. Like I, I've got this. And, and I think it's a difficult call for us, but I, I think that question of why can take us down a path that I'm not sure that God always wants to answer it. I'm not saying he never does, right? but I believe from my life when I've asked that question, and then, like I said, just reflecting on the book of Job and things, I don't know that I'm going to have that answer until hopefully God reveals it to me someday, maybe when I'm with him, uh, when I'm gone from here. So, and the more I've sat with that, the more I'm okay with that. Like, I don't need to know why, 
because part of the answer is being unfolded every day in my life, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and I think that, you know, as Jeff was saying in the small and the big things, like it's, it's sort of, we keep walking and the why sort of is revealed maybe as gradually as our entire lives reveal that why. And maybe it's not even till the end that the why is clearer. Well, the trust I think is so powerful when you can really stop and say, Lord, I'm not going to get the answer to my why, but I trust that you're in control and I'm going to surrender to your control and continue to live the life that you have for me. That trust is, I think, what is missing so often from folks, and then they end up getting caught up in the why. And the why leads to more and more despair for people. It really can, I think, and, and that's the frustration because you know God can answer you, and, and then he's not, and you're, it just gets – just that kind of builds up, and you're like, ah, like, why aren't you – Right, and it just it just builds into different areas, and yeah, it becomes despair. It, it can be really tough, and I do uh, a talk on suffering, and so some of these things that I've learned actually were from, and Jim, you, you guys can probably relate to this. Like when sometimes when you're when you study the faith, study theology, or study like study about God, it's actually very spiritually gaining. Like you gain personal insights along the way because you're because you're studying truth and God's God's word. Oh, for sure. Um, and along the note of what you're, uh, what Jeff was talking about here with the with the trust, or just sort of emphasizing the trust, like that, where that came in from, like that understanding came in for me as I was kind of researching my my talk about suffering. So I had personal parts, but also using scriptures to kind of reflect and and Psalm 22 like really jumped out to me. So like Psalm 22 is quoted by Jesus from the cross. It's my God, my God, why have you abandoned or forsaken me? Like that's the first words of Psalm 22. And, and so I, I, I kind of never knew that or never made that connection that that's what Jesus said from the cross. That it was actually a Psalm. And then I was reading the Psalms and kind of noticed that. And I was like, Oh, it's like, I kind of, I always missed that. And, but it really stuck with me because if you read the Psalm, like Jesus on the cross, I don't think was just saying my God, why have you abandoned me or forsaken me? I think he was invoking the psalm, like that psalm, like not just that phrase, but the psalm. And the psalm is very beautiful, but it's very, um, it's not totally a dark psalm of abandonment. It's a lot of darkness, but there's also, it kind of fluctuates between darkness and, and, and light, darkness and hope. Like it starts off, why have you forsaken me? But then the next, a couple of verses later, the psalmist kind of reflects to himself, like, why have you abandoned me? Like, Lord, what's going on? But let me remember, my, my, my ancestors, you, you came through for them, and like you were there for them when they called out. And there's sort of like this, this reminder to the psalmist of himself kind of telling himself, okay, like, you came through for them, Lord, like, you're going to come through for me, even though it's dark and I feel abandoned. There's this sort of like glimmer of hope with that kind of thought. And then the psalm gets kind of dark again, but but it's beautiful. Like I think Jesus on the cross himself, like that helped me with this idea of hope, this idea of trust, is that I think on the cross, Jesus wasn't like crying out in abandonment. He was crying out in like an act of trust. Like that psalm was saying, yeah, I'm abandoned, but Lord, I'm, I'm like, even though he is God, like he's he, even in the moment of the crucifixion, he felt estranged from the father who's also God. Like it's this crazy mystery. But he, even Jesus on the cross had to remind himself, like, 
you're going to come through for me, father. Like you're like, even though he felt abandoned and felt all that, like even he had to, even God, even the son of God himself had to put that phrase in in his heart of the father's going to come through for me. I'm here listening to you, learning from you, being inspired by you and frankly reflecting on small challenges and struggles that I have in, in my life and in my days and yes. thinking God is using you as a vessel of hope and inspiration and a builder of trust in the children of his kingdom. You know, and it's moments like this where you're on a podcast or when you're living out your day-to-day life or speaking on healing, whether somebody has had the challenges presented to somebody like yourself or other experiences, they're going to draw from inspiration. And when they hear this and see you and feel the love from you, that gives people such tremendous hope. And you know that that's the Lord's work at hand right there, undoubtedly. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, I'm going to jump in. The witness that you give is hope in the midst of darkness, and it's not a health and wealth gospel, which is so it's so contrary. Yeah. It's it's yes. the recognize within Christ and what what you witness to in your own life and uh, in your reflection is that no God is in the midst of this. We don't see it, and that's what you experienced, right? Like you don't look back and then superimpose recognizing right. God's presence into your experience, you recognize, no, in the experience, it is dark, but I'm hopeful. Yes. And, and I, I, I want to make sure that I'm clear on this. Like I still struggle with this every day. So even though, like, even though the Lord has worked in me really profoundly in terms of these ideas, in terms of the, of giving me reason for hope and reason to trust him. And really, I think instilling that desire to hope and trust in him, let me just be really clear. Like, like I'll struggle later today with this, and I'll struggle tomorrow with this. Even though the Lord's done this, like it's so easy to forget or to whatnot. So even as I'm, I'm, it's a constant reminder for me to go back to these things, and that's why there's there's a few things that I can kind of hold on to, and like Psalm 22 is one of those. When I'm, if I'm struggling, I can read that and go, okay, like even Jesus, like he, he struggled with it too. Like this is number one, it's okay for me to struggle with this, and then number two, like. Uh, there's there is hope and so it it it's constantly i mean that's that c.s lewis thing like it's hard to be christian it's hard for us in this walk and it's going to be hard but the struggle's worth it and and, and i do think that it, it'll always be for all of us like there's always going to be things out there that that'll turn us away from the lord and so that that struggle to trust is always going to be a struggle but but when we do it i think we've all experienced hopefully a lot of us have had the experience of when we have trusted whether it's a big or small thing, it doesn't have to be big at all. But when we have trusted, I think sometimes we've, hopefully we've had the experience of trust that was not rewarded, but you trusted and knew you'd done the right thing and you, everything about it felt like, okay, I, I can do that again. Like that's, that was, that's what I need to do. And it's those experiences I think that can keep you, that you, you can, you can build on and, and grow on and, as Jeff was saying, I think a really important thing is that so many people come to like they'll meet me or know me and they'll say like I'm not sure I could 
I could do what you do in terms of the wheelchair stuff. And most of the stuff I deal with, that's even the bad stuff they don't even realize. Like it's not walking is not even like a big deal to me. Like there's other things that come with spinal cord injury that are the difficult things. So people don't even know, but they don't need to. But they see me and, and they say, well, I'm not sure if I could deal with something that big if it happened to me. And the reality is kind of Jeff mentioned like how it's it's the big and the small things are they're not different, to be honest. Like how we're going to handle whatever big happens in our life for good or for bad. It's just magnified version of how we handle the small things. It just is. I found that to be like pretty universally true. So if, if we can handle the small difficulties in our lives or the embrace the small joys, it's how we handle the small things. It absolutely factors into how we handle the big things. It's just magnified, but it's not different. It's not like we can handle small difficulties as well and can't handle big ones. I don't I haven't really found that to be the case. It's just the big stuff just magnifies how we deal with the small. Hey, it's Jim again. You know, I'm the kind of guy that when he finds something really worthwhile, likes to tell people about it. So I wanted just a minute here to tell you about a line of Christ-centered clothing called God's Brand. I personally have several God's Brand items, pullovers, button downs, a really nice quarter zip fleece. They're stylish and they help me represent my faith in everyday life. When you get a chance, check out godsbrand.com. They have all sorts of styles for almost any occasion. Again, they're at godsbrand, all one word, dot com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. You talked earlier about how you believe that the Lord gave you an increased portion of faith prior to the accident. When I think about folks struggling with certain situations in their life, and I think about that growing despair and going into deeper and deeper darkness, when you think about the chronology of trusting the Lord and building a relationship with the Lord, how much more difficult would this have been for you had you not had that extra dose of faith prior to the accident, and part of the reason I, I, we don't necessarily even need to elaborate on this, but when I think about somebody that's distant from faith and distant from the Lord today, it's not after something happens that, and you know, God's hand is working in mysterious ways here, so there's, there's there's no simple way to think about this, but I guess my point here is, for those listening to this, now is the time to get deeper into your faith. Now is the time to grow closer in your relationship with Christ. Preferably, it's not after something catastrophic happens, because that can lead you down such a dark pathway that, you know, that's when, frankly, that's when Satan gets excited, right? I I totally agree. I mean, God, you know, God can bring us to him in in many ways, of course, and and like you said, his ways are mysterious, but but yeah, I, I do think that when we're yeah, like when we're not close, when we're far from the Lord, absolutely say like we're on Satan's radar. Like he's he's like, I got this. And he's going to bring like that's when if he brings catastrophe into someone's life, he knows it's going to be a bigger wrecking ball than if Jesus was in the middle of that person's life. Like Jesus is going to smash some of that wrecking ball. So so, yeah, like the devil, when I, I taught high school and now I'm doing some writing for high school catechesis and I don't like to give the devil too much attention in in terms of catechesis but then again it's really important that we know like that we expose him 
and, and it's really interesting to me when you look at scripture, like Jesus never disparages the devil. Like he calls him the strong man. He tells us to beware of him. Like he, he kind of gives the devil his due in terms of not the devil's good, the devil's bad, but, but like the devil's good at what he does. Like he's a worthy adversary. And I think sometimes like that's an important, again, not to dwell on, not to spend too, too much time on, but that's an important thing just to have in our minds. Like the devil's good at what he does. Like he'll find your, your weakness, that one chink in your armor and that knife's going right in that small little hole, that small little chink. Like he's, he's not going to attack you where you're strong. So yeah, like when we live lives that are further from the Lord, it, it just gives the devil honestly more opportunity to, to come in. That makes sense. He does a great job of really building people up. Money, fame, power, mm-hmm. whatever the case might be. But oftentimes, those props really do create a significant divide between a close relationship with Christ and these moments of small or large, again, happen. And then where do people turn? You talked about where you turn when you have moments, and that's to God, and that's to Scripture, yeah. and that's where you go for healing. When people have issues and they don't have a relationship with God, they they turn more to other crutches, alcohol, yes. drugs, sex, whatever the case might be. It's just not good. Yeah. And I, I was I was actually talking to Jim about this uh, recently in our con- in the conversation and Again, I, I don't want it to sound like I've got things figured out because I don't. And honestly, on a personal level, like the last really maybe two last few years, like my struggle, wh- one of my main struggles in my walk with the Lord. And and like just to read, like we're all going to have those struggles. One like it's going to go. We're going to go one from one struggle to the next with the Lord, even if we're doing well with the Lord. I mean, every relationship has struggles. Right. So um, even the the best ones in our lives. And so. My struggle with the Lord recently, the last few years, has been very specific, and that's, Lord, why are you so silent? Like, he has been very silent in my life, and I'm not someone who hears, like, the voice of the Lord, or, like, he speaks to me pretty pretty quietly, but I, I felt like even when I've tried to listen to him, like, I felt like I've tried to not do all the talking in prayer, he felt very, very silent. Like, that's the word that he was. Like, he was silent for me for a long time, and I just was like, why like first of all why which i you know that's again this probably not the best question but like what's going on here lord and then finally i i i was thinking i was in adoration maybe for somehow i got this in prayer the lord kind of nudged me in the correlation that jesus is the word like that correlation just kind of was thrown in front of me i'm like okay i know that and then no like the word like the word like that's where i can speak to you and I had not been reading scripture for a long time. And so I got back into reading scripture sort of in a in a regular way. And suddenly the Lord's like speaking to me through these Bible stories that I've read and familiar with. But now he's actually speaking like they're jumping off the page and speaking to me. It's crazy. Like it was the exact thing that I needed was he was silent. And the answer was right there in front of me the whole time. But I, and I, I studied theology. I know all this, but it didn't matter. Like I wasn't using it. Like I wasn't, didn't matter. I could be smart all I want, but it was, I was stupid. And he's just shaking his head at me like, oh, yours is ridiculous. You're, <laughs> so I finally got into reading and he just, again, the words are just jumping off the page and I'm reading things from the old Testament of that, that used to be very, uh, just the stories of idolatry and things that seemed very archaic and, and very story-ish and they weren't 
readily applying to me, even if I've heard some good homilies that might have applied them. That wasn't the case. I was reading them now, and the Lord was like plastering them on my life. Like, here's how they apply to you. Like, and and you're the one that's turning from me, like like the Israelites did. And I'm like, oh, like maybe I should close this book for a while. <laughs> you're speaking a lot to me now. But yeah, just uh, that's kind of a that was kind of the struggle I had, even though I I, I kind of thought I was far along in my faith that I, I could kind of figure this stuff out. And the Lord's just shaking his head, like, yeah, you even you're making stupid mistakes. Like you weren't even reading the Bible. So. And I think that there's a lot to be said in terms of the distinction between studying the Lord and knowing the Lord, you know, like that yeah. <laughs> and being in relationship yeah. with the Lord. It's relatively easy to get a degree in theology and then, yeah, you know, and still as a topic. Yes. Yes, exactly. I've had some personal experience with exactly what you're describing, Kevin. So yeah, really. I converted to Catholicism about a year and a half ago, and yeah. right after I had converted, I had this brief moment of despair. It was a, a, a tough wow. period for literally only about 48 hours, and I ended up turning to Scripture, and I just got to this point where I was like, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? How am I supposed yeah. to handle this particular situation? How am I supposed to carry my life forward? And I wasn't getting answers in prayer, and it was silent. But what yeah. I did do is say, look, I haven't been really immersing myself in Scripture at all. I, I hadn't in my life. But I said, now is the time. I'm going to open up the Bible. And in my particular case, I started with the New Testament. Yeah. And I only got a couple of pages into Matthew going, <laughs> okay, I hear you loud and clear. It's all right here. <laughs> but that's, I know some other folks that have said, well, you know, I've stayed away from the Bible. It really doesn't tell me much. And you ask them a little further, and they're saying, well, I just opened up to the first page of Genesis. And it is yeah. hard to hear from the Lord, I think, right away when you open to page one of the Old yeah. Testament. But for those that can open the Gospels, start with any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and he'll speak to you pretty quickly. Would you not agree? Yeah, I, I think what you said is really good. I, I think it's really good probably to, to actually start with where, with where you're familiar. And even like, I think it's really easy for us to be like, oh, I've, I've, okay, I'm reading about the healing of the paralytic. I know this story. I'm just going to skip to the next one. No, like read what you've already read read it again because the Lord has something to say. And, and again, like you might read a pair, uh, you might read a few chapters and he doesn't say anything one day and that's going to be normal. Like uh, not to be discouraged by that, but I think a lot of times, yeah, it's, it's going to be almost in the familiar stuff that he's going to like show us something that we just didn't see before. And that's when it's really, really cool. And that's kind of spurs, it spurs me on to, to keep, to keep going because sometimes it's easy to go like, Oh, I, I know all these stories. Why am I reading again? I know the stories, but each time, like there really are, there's so much, it's God's word. There's so much in each story that even you, the three of us can have, can read the same gospel story or Bible story. And we can get three different things out of it, not three contrary things, but three sort of nuggets that work for each of us from the Lord that are true and yet I wouldn't have 
I wouldn't have garnished what you garnished, but you wouldn't have got what I got from it because the Lord was speaking to us differently in those things. So, absolutely. That's that's awesome. That's such good advice. All right, Kevin, I have a uh, I want to set you up just to 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 speak here because I think it's fitting. So, throw it underhanded. I'm fast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I was just teaching RCIA actually a couple days ago. So I happen to be able to find very quickly in the catechism where it quotes St. Augustine, and it's speaking of the scandal of evil. You probably know where I'm going here. And uh, so I pulled it up here, and I want to read it to you, and then I want you to... Is this like 312, 313, 314? Oh my gosh, it's 311. Are you just... (laughs) No, no, that section is... It's a short section. It's It's, amazing. It is... Like 309 to 314. It's incredible. You're... You're... that's exactly right. 309 to 314. That is the section where that everyone I know needs to read. So I'm going to read, true. though, just the quote from Augustine, which yeah. I know that you know and probably could quote offhand. For Almighty God, because he is supremely good, would never allow any evil whatsoever to exist in his works if he were not so all-powerful and good as to cause good to emerge from evil itself. All right, speak to that, brother. So I've used that in my in my my talk and and for me for me that goes back to sort of Romans eight twenty eight. God God works all things for good for those who love God. And in my own life I've absolutely seen the truth of this and it's it's really beautiful that I feel like God doesn't just happen to bring good from evil. Like it's what he does like it's what he's absolutely in the business of bringing good from evil like that's sort of a huge mo of god like so when we're going through something difficult like that's honestly that's the backbone that we can rely on so when when we ask ourselves like why is this happening well you may not get the answer why although like i said before maybe he'll give that to you but maybe not but the thing you can know and this isn't even hope and trust. Like this is certainty. Like, like he's in the business of bringing good from evil. Like that's the crucifixion and resurrection are the, like the seminal example of that. Like he took the greatest evil that there is. And this is actually from in paragraph three twelve. It kind of goes on and talks about uh, this quote as well. Like God takes the greatest evil that there was the crucifixion of, of God, like the killing of God himself, of the son of God. And he brings the world's greatest good, the redemption, you know, the resurrection, the redemption for us all. So he takes the greatest evil and brings the greatest good. Like, I think that's trying to show us something. It's trying to show us like that. That's what God wants to do with all of us. Like to take our evils, our pains, our trials, our sufferings, whatever word you want to put there. Sometimes evils, a confusing word for people. Sure. Like the things that we struggle with, like to take these pains and he wants to bring good from them in big and small ways. He did it in the biggest way with the crucifixion and resurrection, but he wants to do it in our lives in whatever size that we allow him. Because like what he does is to bring good from evil itself, as, as Augustine said, to cause good to emerge from evil itself. But like, he's absolutely in the business of that. And I think the, the only thing that we have to do, maybe only is making it too soft, but this is where I tie in Romans 8.28, that all things work for good for those who love God. 
like our part when we're going through something difficult and we can look and say, okay, God, I, you want to bring something good from this is to number one, have sort of hope in that. But Romans eight twenty eight tells us that our job right then is just to love God. So as we're going through something very difficult, like if we love God, even in the midst of that difficulty and say, okay, Lord, I don't, I'm not feeling the love right now. Like I'm really struggling, but I'm going to, I'm going to put my, I'm going to tell you, I love you. I'm going to, I'm going to act as though I love you, even though this is really hard to do that right now, because I know that you're going to bring good from this. And I promise like he'll bring good from it. I can't, I can't promise what the good will be, but I actually can promise the listeners like that will happen. And it could be, it could happen short term. It could happen long term that I can't tell you. But God's made it really clear, like, that's what he's in the business of doing, is bringing good from evil. Like, that's why he allows these bad things to happen in the world, because he wants and is in the business of bringing something good. So I told you guys before I started, as we started today, I told you a little bit about my my background and how I was raised by my mom and dad. My mom was Catholic and my dad supported, but wasn't. Uh, wasn't Catholic himself, wasn't even a practicing Episcopal, and kind of was more of a practicing kind of agnostic, I guess you could say. Didn't really believe that much about God, or we could know much about God. When I had my spinal cord injury, actually, one more quick thing. My dad was a Vietnam vet, and he was like deep in the heart of Vietnam, so he was in the jungles fighting. It's like he was very deep in things. So that's sort of his background that he brings sort of to to the faith arena, uh, just to life. But about a year after I got hurt, my mom and dad were talking. And my mom told me about this years later. My mom and dad were talking, and my dad says to my mom, he said, Doris, uh, my my mom, he said, Doris, you you know what holds me back from believing in God and and worshiping God, following him like you do, what holds me back even more than what I went through in Vietnam, even more than what I saw in Vietnam was watching what happened to my son. And it's not it's not that what I went through is could be compared to Vietnam because it can't. So but but for my you you guys are fathers like and, and for my dad to see his son go through what I went through, just the, the difficulties with my injury and all that goes with it, like that for him was what held him back from 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 God even more than like from bloodshed in war it was the it was the personal watching something tragic you know difficult watching the devil do something to his son so fast forward a few years after I got hurt so I got hurt in 95 sorry 96 so my dad told my mom that somewhere in 97 or whatever in in 2008 after years of St. Monica prayer and and all this stuff going on I had been praying. One of the difficult things about spinal cord injury, as I mentioned before, is all the things that kind of go with it. So during some of my my difficult sort of routines that I have to do on on a regular basis or a daily basis, I started praying the rosary. And then as part of my intentions for my rosary, my number one intention for my rosary always was for my dad's conversion, for his heart to be converted to the Lord, that he would know the Lord and be with the Lord. And I had many other intentions over the years, of course, but my number one intention was always for my dad. And my mom was praying St. Monica prayers for him all the time for his conversion. She didn't pester him, but she maybe early in the marriage she did, but not later. But but he had had many prayers coming his way. And then in 2008, 
actually three years before, before my dad passed away in 2011. In 2008, my dad just turned to my mom and said, uh, I'm ready. And she's like, for what? <laughs> He's like, I want to come in the church. And it just came out of the blue. And I look back now that this huge gift, like when my dad passed away, it was such a a comforting thing to know that he had discovered the Lord, entered the church, received the sacraments, and was in a different place than he had been years before when he had another death scare before all this happened. And I remember when that happened, I was very unsettled. My heart was unsettled for him as I was, I was going through it all. When my dad passed in 2011, I didn't feel that at all. It was all very peaceful. It was because he had come to know the Lord. And I look back and I'm not, the, my prayers are not the reason that he came into the church. I know it's my mom's prayers, but I do know that he was my number one intention for the sufferings that I was going through. And I know that that was useful fodder for the Lord. Like whatever the Lord did with my prayers and the sufferings I was going through, like I saw a huge tangible fruit of those prayers. Again, not that they were directly from me, but God from my injury brought about this for my dad. And it was a very tangible good that I can see him bring. And in my life, I've had many goods that God's brought from the struggle of my disability. Like he's brought many goods from that, but this was a sort of a huge one that I can see that God took an evil, took a difficulty, took a pain, took a tribulation and brought an immense good from it. And that was my dad knowing him and hopefully being with him forever. What would you recommend to someone who wants to hear God more clearly? It's a good question. Um, I know it's kind of setting me up for uh, an answer I've already given, but honestly, for me, as I mentioned, it was getting back into scripture. It was huge. Um, it's different for each of us. It's so different for each of us. And so, like, how does the Lord work for you? For me, for me, honestly, for me, scripture in the past, the Lord didn't speak to me through scripture very much. Like, even when I was deep in it, like it was. Things weren't jumping off the page. Honestly, I think I needed to read scripture now for him to speak to me. But in the past, he's spoken to me differently. Like I've I've been to adoration and he's really sort of, quote unquote, spoken to me there at times. Whereas right now when I go to adoration, he's not speaking to me as much. So honestly, I think it's, it's so different for each person, but also in the times in our lives. I think it's going to shift. We're going to shift in and out of how God is speaking to us. But I can always say for me, it, I mean, it took it took Jeff 48 hours to figure out that it was the Bible he needed to open. It took me a lot longer than that. It took me a couple of years to, to answer that question of why is the Lord being silent. So, Jeff, you're much quicker to the answer than I was. <laughs> um, but but I think if we're paying attention to sort of wherever we walk in our, in our faith lives, it, it, it's when in doubt, we can always turn to Scripture, the Catechism. Like there's a way for that we can dive into something that God can work through. But also knowing our own, knowing who we are. Like some people have the personality that they just need sort of to sit in silence and adoration, and that's where the Lord speaks to them. Or maybe it's when they're worshiping in church on the weekends. Maybe it's singing. Like that sort of opens up a part of them that God can then speak. So I, I think it's so different for each person. It's really kind of paying attention to ourselves and who we are. And when God does speak to us, just really paying attention. Like how did He speak to me there? And let me sort of explore that area. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blazing Bush Podcast. Be sure and check out our website at blazingbush.com, as well as follow and like Blazing Bush on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.